I learned through working with executives is that, you know, we, a lot of people in the working force, especially in corporate America, think, you know, all these big executives have it all figured out all the time. They're these scary executives, but no, they don't have it figured out a whole lot. They just, they're confident. They're confident in their not knowing. And they can do one thing that I really struggled with anxiety and that's be okay in uncertainty. Welcome to the Be It Till You See It podcast, where we talk about taking messy action, knowing that perfect is boring. I'm Lassa Logan, Pilates instructor and fitness business coach. I've trained thousands of people around the world, and the number one thing I see stopping people from achieving anything is self-doubt. My friends, action brings clarity, and it's the antidote to fear. Each week, my guests will bring bold, executable, intrinsic, and targeted steps that you can use to put yourself first and be it till you see it. It's a practice, not a perfect. Let's get started. Okay, where are my introverts at? Where are my peeps who feel like imposter syndrome's got them down? (laughs) I have a great, uh, this guest is for you. Um, He's actually also just an incredible journey of his career and what he's gotten to, but we mostly just discuss like imposter syndrome and getting over yourself and living in uncertainty and not putting people on pedestals. Like this is like the thing. And so if you are someone who is like just really having a hard time, um, not worrying about being an introvert or having imposter syndrome, or even just like letting people intimidate you where my people pleasers at, I, we got something there for you as well. So Ryan Lindner is our guest today. He is the author of a half known life. Um, and so we don't get too much into his book, but I am very intrigued to read it. I'm actually really excited about it because he said this incredible journey. Um, and, and it was, he said that was a 10 year journey for this book. So, you know, that's going to be a good one. I am incredibly overjoyed with what we talked about. And I really think it is a nice pep talk that you need on this day. So here is Ryan Linder. loves. It's here. OPC summer camp. You know, that thing we started last year? Well, we're doing it again this year and we're making it bigger and better than ever because we have teachers from all over the world, which means all day long, you can nerd out with me at Camp Zoom from the comfort of your own home in your favorite Pilates workout outfit without having to get bugs or dirt or weird camp food. That's like some weird slot. No, you can have the amazing food from your own home. You can be whatever clothes you want to be in and you can join us all day long for whatever workouts and workshops you sign up for. In fact, you can even do a whole day pass and save the most money. In fact, up to 56% off if you buy the day pass. So go to opc.me slash events to see the full schedule and lineup of events. If you only have access to a mat, we've got plenty of stuff for you. We've got Reformer. We've got some happy hip Reformer with you. We've got so many amazing things. You can go to opc.me slash events to see the whole schedule, all 14 teachers, and all the goodness that's going to happen at Camp Zoom. And I'm your camp director. Woo! All right, be it babes. I'm really excited because I know how much you guys like to talk about imposter syndrome. I know how many DMs I get about, oh my gosh, I wish you could do this, but like, I just have so much imposter syndrome. And so when I actually found today's guest, I found out like he's actually someone who knows imposter syndrome really well and has managed to make an amazing life for himself, getting over it and has an incredible book for us all to read. So Ryan Lindner is our guest today. And I'm just so excited. Can you tell everyone who you are and how you got here? What what, what made you get into this whole role and, and go through this journey that you've been on? Yeah, thanks for having me. Super excited to chat about this. Um, you know, growing up, uh, introvert, super introvert, um, had just awful, awful anxiety growing up. And I was drawn to, you know, personal development, but pretty much anything I could seek my teeth in that would help me sort of 
move beyond that. Um, it was just such a struggle for so many years. I mean, I, I would, um, I remember giving talks when I was real young and I'd be, it would be so bad. I would like sweat through my shirt. It was like that bad. It, was, it looked like I took a shower. <laughs> it was terrible. I, I feel like, and, I um, feel like a lot of people can go, yep. Uh-huh. I know that. <laughs> <laughs> and chronic warrior, chronic warrior. Um, and really struggled to find kind of where I, where I fit in. Uh, never did know what I wanted to do with my life and tried to find somewhere where I might fit. Um, and after about a million jobs, uh, not too much of an exaggeration, but pretty close, uh, I fell into coaching and I didn't know that was actually a career option. Never, never knew that was a possibility, but, um, I found out that I just, I could empathize and, and sort of relate to people really well who were going through that. And that felt like, well, you know, I can embrace this. Maybe I can turn that into something got an amazing contract and uh, did coaching sessions uh, for people all over the world, even worked for a federal contract, the military. And then I started working with organizations, really developing training content, leading trainings uh, for major, major companies, uh, building out their training departments, helping with their culture transformation, uh, helping uh, train managers so that they, you know, most companies treat people like roles and not people. Yeah. And I would track things like turnover, you know, how do you reduce turnover? How do you so it grew and sort of progressed over the years into things that I would have never ever guessed. That is what I what an incredible journey. Like <laughs> to go from like all these different and like, oh I'm coaching now. Now I'm coaching corporations. Now I'm coaching the military. Now I'm coaching I mean like also like exciting and I imagine like there would there were probably some moments you're like, oh my gosh, I'm I'm doing this now. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, so how did you get over, like, did, did you just outgrow the anxiety? Like, what was the journey there? A lot of people think of anxiety, and, and this is just, you know, my approach. And, you know, a lot of my clients, when I tell them, hey, I'm a really anxious uh, introvert, a lot of them would be very surprised because it, it doesn't seem like that. You know, I've done speeches in front of executives, in front of, you know, all kinds of people, generals and, you know, all kinds of. And a lot of people think that anxiety, um, introversion is something that has to be overcome or fixed. Mm -hmm. That was what I was, I always thought was I read all the books. I, I need to do these things to overcome it. You know, we always hear the advice like, um, picture people in their underwear or some kind of crazy advice. And none of that really worked for me. It, it was yeah. always still there, still had the physical symptoms, you know, the sweaty palms felt lightheaded at times, just all is terrible. Eventually I started to think about it differently. I, I started to think about, you know, what if it was something that didn't have to fix? And it took me quite a while, but it was a different mindset with it. In other words, like I think of it right now as I am truly, truly okay with however I show up. Yeah. However I show up, I love that person. You know, most of us treat ourselves way worse than we would treat people we, oh, we love. It's one, I mean, 1,000%. I, I, you know, I think... I just want to highlight what you just said because so many people that I work with, they're like, oh, I can't go up and just talk to a stranger because I'm an introvert. And I'm like, well, you know, you are a shy person. You're an introvert because you like, you you actually gain energy being alone. 
<laughs> and and when they see it like that, it's like something that is hindering them. Like being an introvert is holding them back. But being an introvert doesn't actually have to be something you overcome or has to hold you back. It's just like how you are as a person in this world who gains energy to show up in this world. And so I love that you're like, I don't have to get over being an introvert. I can just be an introvert who also can do these things. Like it doesn't have to be an either or. You're exactly right. Uh, you know, introverts aren't necessarily all shy. They just kind of recharge. We recharge our batteries a little bit differently. And, you know, what might be um, exhilarating or, or energizing for an extrovert, it's draining for me. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I've got to have those boundaries in place. Um, oh, yeah. But- I mean, that's what you really have to learn is not how to like overcome your introvertedness. It's like how to like say no. I mean, um, people don't believe that I'm an introvert when I say it. I'm like, well, I'm a very gregarious, that's what Brad calls me. I say high functioning. It's a a world that we have to be an extrovert in. Like you have to go out and network. You have to put yourself out there. Like that's the way the world is. So how do I be that till I see it without changing who I am or thinking that my way of recharging is is wrong? There's nothing wrong with that. So the other night we were at a, a networking event went to dinner with this other person and he's like, okay, um, I'm going to do something with him and I'll meet you at the party. I'm like, oh, we'll probably arrive at the same time. Cause I'm going to sit here and order another drink and be by myself. <laughs> That's something I would totally do as well. And I just sat and I just like the whole restaurant just looked cause they just got up and I'm like, I'll have another drink here. And I sat there, I played a video game. I didn't, I enjoyed myself. And then I was like, okay, I'm, I'm excited to go to this party now. <laughs> You know, I also enjoy naps. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's another good way. (laughs) Yeah. So, like, I actually, so it's like, I think, um, I think introvert is anxiety and even like the imposter syndrome thing, people think I have to overcome that. But what if it, like what you said earlier, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I, this is what I came to my mind. It's like, what if we just, it just existed? Like, it's like, that's what I have right now. And I'm, you know, how do I like, instead of overcoming it, it's more of like, this is a sign of who I am or that I care about something or that something's important to me. Like, that's why we have feelings of imposter syndrome or maybe even some feelings of anxiety. So we actually care about the things that we're doing. I think the imposter, you know, we feel like we're somehow diminished because I'm an introvert and I should be an extrovert. But, you know, once I loved that person now and I was truly okay, truly feeling like I was okay, however I show up, then some of that anxiety does dissipate on its own. Mm-hmm. So like, e- even if I would be sweating or, you know, be red as a tomato, um, I would just, you know, make a joke of it or, or like kind of laugh at it almost like, you know, I decided to take a shower right before this and, uh, you know, I just left my clothes on, but, um, (laughs) you know, I I think it humanizes you and people can, in the audience can relate to that. Yes. And it disarms them and it makes them laugh. It's an icebreaker. Well, it's also like there's. When I was taking a class on like doing a keynote speech, they said like, start your speech with something self-deprecating. It makes people like you. And, I love it. And Absolutely. like, and I'm like, really self-deprecating? But y- basically like by you saying, I decided to get sure I have my clothes on before I walked in here. Like, what could, like it, uh, one, it actually makes people stop looking at that and going, what is, oh, you know, it actually just like, and everyone laughs and then you've caught their attention. So now they're all listening to you anyway. So it's actually like, it's actually like your superpower is that you sweat through your shirt before you speak. <laughs> Absolutely. So, okay, you got into this coaching thing and then it just kept growing and growing. How, like, what kind of, what was that like for you? How did you put yourself out there to get more clients? Was it in, was it after you got, after this like realization that you can just be an introvert with anxiety and like, it's going to be okay. And then, and then how did that lead you to like writing a book? Like, what was that journey like? 
Well, the journey for the book was about 10 years. So I guess better late than uh, than never. But um, it, it really, I, I had some things that occurred uh, health-wise when I first started that contract. I actually had a, a couple cardiac arrests. And so, you know, that's not too good for someone with anxiety because... <laughs> 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 that kind of makes like, a little bit took worse. you to the next level. It's like a vicious cycle. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I had just started that, what I would call my dream job at the time. You know, I had this amazing contract. I had clients from all over the place. You know, I had psychologists as clients. And I was there for about a month. And I suddenly just dropped dead one day. Like I had this like cardiac arrest, no family history, nothing like that. And, um, you know, I was back at work five days later you know, working with clients because I, you know, I had a financial need. Yeah. Um, I understand you know, I had to that. pay time off. You know, it was one month there. So, mm-hmm. and I'm hooked to all these wires and I'm doing these virtual sessions. Um, most of them were on the phone, so they couldn't see that was, you know, hooked to all these wires and stuff, man, it really transformed my sessions though. Having gone through that, it just totally made me rethink what I'm actually worried about. And it mm. helped in, in a very weird way. Hmm. That's so fascinating. Um. And I I hate that you had to go back, but I understand the world we live in. Like, sometimes you just don't have, you don't have the luxury of actually recovering from your cardiac arrest. You have to <laughs> be back in action. And so, um. But also like to go through that, and it helps you rethink. I think if I I don't think we have to go through a cardiac arrest, y'all, to rethink like what are we actually worried about? Like I think we can actually. <laughs> Uh, we can actually learn learn from Ryan's life. <laughs> and that one we can uh it, we can uh you know live vicariously through. <laughs> yeah, and you know I had one and then the next day I had another, you know, just to Oh. and it, it, it just totally totally uh like a nice little aftershock to the system. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And you know I had the paddles and everything and to this day, you know, it's over a decade later. I, I have, you know, I was young, uh, collegiate athlete, no family history. And again, just a random event. And, um, you know, I got a pacemaker. And one thing that I, I have to do, which is interesting for someone who's had anxiety for many years, is the boundaries. You know, I, I have to have boundaries. If I don't, I, I, I'm dizzy 24-7. Yeah. So if I don't have my boundaries in place or manage my energy well, you know, then I get really sick. Yeah. So can we talk about that? Because I, I'm like obsessed with my boundaries and like my whole team, their whole job is just to like protect the boundaries <laughs> that I have in place. And, um, well, at least that's my assistant's job. And then when people in crime, like you you did not go through the, the, the channels. Now you're breaking. <laughs> Um, but like not every like boundaries are a muscle and I'm sure one that was really hard for you to even put in place to even think about what boundaries you need to not feel guilty doing it. Like there's a whole host of emotions. Like, am I like, and we also train people how to treat us. So if we never have had boundaries and then we have to start putting them in place, then people are like, wait, where is this coming from? So how, what was your boundary journey like? And, and do you have any tips for those of us (laughs) who are trying to get better at it? Well, a lot of people I've worked with, especially those with anxiety, they're people pleasers. And that's exactly what I was. I thought that my self-worth and my value came from, you know, getting approval and and feeling, you know, and that's part of what was, you know, the anxiety and the stage fright and all that was, oh my gosh, what if I screw this up, uh, you know, low self-esteem and so forth. So having boundaries means you have to say no more. And some relationships also fall away, you know, maybe they're toxic relationships, toxic jobs. 
Um, you know, I work a lot with people who are going these like career, you know, transitions as well, you know, and, and also working with companies. I really understand that that dynamic. And it's really having to detach from that in some ways. Um, that's not where your worth comes from. You have no control over what over outcomes or what other people think of you. You have to love you. Mm-hmm. And and you have to again kind of own who that person is. Uh, that I mean, God, Ryan, you have to repeat that for everybody one more time. So you can like all rewind this or here it is. You just said it like we cannot control how people think about us and saying yes and people pleasing is you trying to control how people think about you. But guess what? Just because you said yes to the thing doesn't mean that you're controlling how they think about you or feel about you. And so you actually have to really like own what you want, as you said, and like really like who you are and be okay with that. And then you put the boundaries out there and you know, the right people are going to be in your life because they're going to respect that. And then, and then thank goodness the bad ones can fall away. <laughs> like, thank goodness. You know, we have a lot of people who are business owners here. And, uh, recently in my coaching group, um, one of them was like, how do I fire a client? And, um, you know, what I wanted to say was like, well, if you have strict boundaries in place from the get go, you would never have to do that. <laughs> Cause like they just wouldn't, they wouldn't get through the filter, you know, like, or like it'd be really hard for them. But what happens is sometimes we like say yes to people in our businesses because we're trying to grow them. We like need more clients right away. So we bring people in, we're just saying yes. And like, oh, then we have that person who like steps on all the boundaries, breaks all the rules. And we don't want to, we don't want to upset them. We don't want to upset them. So we like kind of let it slide or we just go, oh, hey, don't do that. We like aren't really clear on what those boundaries are. So they're just being themselves and we're not actually putting fences up that they can actually see. We're just like expecting them to behave in a certain way. And uh, and then you end up having to fire someone because like you just get to a point where you're like, are you kidding? I can't, <laughs> I can't work with you anymore. And so like the best thing to do is like to never have to fire a friend, a client, a coworker, anything like that is just to like really own what you need to be the best in what you're doing and then be okay with, with sometimes that'll make people disappointed in you. You, you define that relationship from the beginning, you know, you Mm -hmm. set that precedent and, you know, I know firsthand, you know, if you've worked with someone a long time and you've set a precedent of sort of bad habits, it's so hard to get that back on track. Some people, you can't convince anyone of anything. They have to come to that sort of on their own. It's, you know, some relationships you will have to let go, but that's okay. Yeah. You know, that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. So you said earlier that uh, the book journey was 10 years. I think that that's probably fast for most people's first book. <laughs> um, what made you want to write a book? What 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 made you think that like, I, I want to get this message out there? What was that whole conversation and journey like? Um, the book is called The Half-Known Life. And it's actually, it, it's not a typical self-help where it's like you only live once kind of thing. It's um, it's from a quote from Moby Dick, which has to do with like not being able to see ourselves. So we, we can't always, you know, and I come back to, you know, I've had, again, like a psych, first time I had a, like a psychologist as a client, I was kind of like confused because I thought they were supposed to have it all figured out, <laughs> you know, like, I, I, like, why are they working with me? And then I had these executives, people that I thought, wow, these people... And this ties really well into imposter syndrome too, because I, I learned just a ton from working with these people. But I realized that, you know what? That's all we are. We're all just people. No matter how smart you are, you could be brilliant. We can't see ourselves. 
And I learned through working with executives is that, you know, we, a lot of people in the working force, especially in corporate America, think, you know, all these big executives have it all figured out all the time. They're these scary executives, but no, they don't have it figured out a whole lot. They just, they're confident. They're confident in their not knowing. They're confident. Um, and they can do one thing that I really struggled with anxiety and that's be okay in uncertainty. Mm-hmm. Be okay in uncertainty, work in uncertainty. They can, they can live in that. Yeah. And it, and, and cause they trust themselves. You know, I might not have it all figured out right now, but I trust that I will do what I need to do at the appropriate time. They trust that. Yeah. So is that something that you have learned how to do is to like trust in yourself, you know, through this journey, like that you, you might not know all the answers, but you know, you'll be fine. You'll get, you'll get yourself through it. I do feel like that. I also feel like, you know, I'm I'm comfortable saying, I don't, I don't know something, you know, if I don't know, I don't know. I'm, it has no bearing on my value. Um, I, as, as a leader with companies, I, I try to, you know, I, I tell people that all the time, you know, don't know everything, don't have it all figured out, but I'm open. I mm-hmm. am open to being better. I look at it more as like a continuous thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's, I mean, that's, I mean, we, first of all, we will never know everything. You will always be learning. There's always going to be a question that you couldn't ever like predict was going to happen. And, and because everyone's coming at the same thing that you're doing with a different perspective. And so the more you can be okay with like, oh, I don't know, or, oh, let me get back to you. The easier it is for you to be present in the moment of the life that you're in. Because if you are so worried that you're not going to know the right answer, you're so busy thinking <laughs> that I have to know all the right answers, you're not actually able to be confident and comfortable in the in the position you're in. So I think that that's so true. I and I you mentioned like being they are comfortable in the uncertainty. And oh, that's so hard for humans though. We want to know. We want to know how it's gonna end. That's why we skip to the end. <laughs> You know, one thing I do a lot and I work with clients is is in any situation, I ask myself, you know, what do I actually know? What do I actually know about the situation? So, you know, about a week ago, I gave this huge talk and I remember like 10, 15 minutes prior to the talk, um, a lot of, you know, people all over the country on it. And I, I was like feeling those symptoms again, like, oh my God, like, what am I even doing? You know, <laughs> um, but you know what? I, I just said, you know what? Do do I ever really bomb? We all bomb on occasion, but like, do, is it ever as bad as I think it is? And I thought, you know what? It, it's it's not. In most situations, the stakes are pretty low. Yeah. You know, what's the worst that can happen, you know? Uh, and I just said, you know what? I'm going to do this like I always do. And I did. And I did. And um, I just became comfortable in the symptoms and not didn't try to, again, uh, wish they weren't there or overcome them. I just said, you know what? I'm going to accept that I feel this way. I'm good with it. I took a deep breath and I was just a person. That's it. We always try to be this like, you know, get everything right and all that. I was just a person just like they are. And I talked to them just like other people. And it's as simple as that. I think that like, so I love that you say that because first of all, going back to your psychologist client, like, I think that we'll have people in our lives like, oh my gosh, I can't believe that they want to work with me. Or I can't believe that they want to talk with me. And we're so, we've got this thing, like they've got it all figured out. That psychologist knows everything. He knows the whole thing. Like why, what can I possibly teach them? And it's like, oh, actually so much. 
because he can't see himself. <laughs> you know, and I think, you know, we don't give ourselves enough credit. If the person has said, yes, they want to work with you already, they're saying, I think you know more than me on this topic. <laughs> And also, you know, we don't know those people. It's all assumptions. It's all stories that we've created in our mm -hmm. mind about who they are based on what a title and their mm -hmm. whatever. So you don't have to know everything and you don't have to be perfect. You just have to be able to help them in in, in some way. You have to know more than them about something. Oh, yeah. I thought I, I, That's thought it. I had one of like one of the top like orthopedic surgeons came in to take a session for me. And I was like, oh, my God, this person knows more about the body than I I could ever know. Like they're an orthopedic surgeon. Like they, they know everything, right? Top and the best in the field. And I'm teaching him and I'm like, he doesn't actually know what I'm saying. Like I'm saying, lift your arms. And like, it's, they're not, <laughs> they're, they're like flailing. Right. And it's like, oh, he knows everything about how to work, how everybody's body should work, but he doesn't know how to work his body in the way I'm asking him to do it. And so it like, it like made me go, just teach him like every other human being, whoever lays down here, he just happens to know the anatomical terms of his knee joints and his shoulder joints. And so I can maybe use that. <laughs> yeah. That doesn't mean he knows everything or he's got it all figured out. When I was a provider and I was coaching a lot, I also worked with uh, a marriage and family therapist and I ran into him in the, in the hallway and I said, oh, how you doing? And he said, oh, about to go in a session with this couple right after I just had a fight with a wife. And I just thought, just, just a person, you know, just, just a person, you know, like the rest of us. And, uh, but I think having that outside perspective is, is you know, um, you just, just can't see ourselves. So, yeah. Yeah. And also like giving like space and grace to ourselves because we're, like you said, at the beginning of our conversation, like we are so hard on ourselves. We are not like in, not in any moment you're like, you know, has hard on this psychologist, marriage, family counselor, as you are on yourself, you know, it's like we, the more we can actually just be courteous of that judgment of others to ourselves. And then also take people off this pedestal that we keep putting them on because we can't, we can't show up as our full self and, 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 and have these amazing ideas. If we just keep putting people up on pedestals, just because of the alphabet behind their name or who we think that they are, or who said they were, whatever it is. It's like, if we actually just treat everyone like they're an actual human being, um, we'll probably learn that we have more in common with people that intimidate us or cause us to have imposter syndrome than we don't. If you didn't know someone's title, if you didn't know anything about them, it'd be a lot more relaxed conversation, you know? If someone just walked up and said, you know, um, Hi, I'm, I'm Paul or whatever, uh, nice to meet you. You would talk to them like a regular person. If you found out they were some famous something, suddenly that dynamic, you know, changes. Um, so a lot of that is, you're totally right. It's just that sort of story, you know, why me? Why am I? Can I do this? I'm no one. It's all comes back to that, you know, self dialogue and once you realize that you don't have to have you don't have to arrive to a particular place or become anyone um you have to more allow it or just be a person because you're you're going to have something to offer that the other person doesn't and that's all you need uh it reminds me of um Patrick Stewart who I love uh, he had this, you know, he's getting interviewed one time and he shared this like uh, mantra that he uses because he's been in like theater, TV, movies, you know, and um, he shared this mantra. And I thought, wow, I mean, he must never get nervous because, you know, he's been doing it for decades. And um, he said, no, I, I still get nervous. I still get like stage fright and all that. I, I thought that was mm. really. And so I'm waiting for this mantra. 
like it's like profound like and he said you know what you know what i do before i go on stage i just tell myself i don't give an f <laughs> and of course he does of course he cares right but there's something freeing about saying that i think when you say that you know i don't care anyway you know you do of course care yeah. but you have detached from the outcome in that moment yeah and reduced the stakes you know um you know when you're in front of an audience that you know you're looking at all these faces but most introverts do well they do well one on one so if you can treat the audience and just look at them as talk to them like one person look at one person talk to them like one person and the stakes aren't aren't as high as you think you know yeah. and even patrick stewart you know it, i just thought that was hilarious you know? i love i love i always love finding out what those things are because they're never what you expect them to be they're not this like complicated thing they're <laughs> They're really often not. We like we we build these things up like when I'm ready, when I'm ready, you're never going to feel ready like you. You're just I don't know, maybe maybe I'm wrong there, but I really don't think I've ever felt ready to start anything that I've actually cared about. <laughs> no way. Like the st- people are waiting for the stars to align and like I, I need to feel ready. You're totally right. And or they need to have everything figured out. But that comes back to the uncertainty, you know, you need to be OK with that. The best thing to do is just just go in and learn and then always adjust, always adjust, always pivot. And um, none of it has any bearing on your value. And and you're just, you're learning. Approach it kind of as a learner, you know? Yeah. Oh, if we could just approach everything as a learner. All right. We're going to, I mean, I, I want to hear more, but we're going to um, take a brief break, find out where people find you, follow you, get your book and your beat action items. All right, loves, it's super important to me that supplements I take are of the highest quality, and that's why for three years I've been drinking AG1. Unlike many supplement brands, AG1 is constantly searching for how to do things better. At 52 iterations of their formula and counting, their team is always trying to find better ways to source, test, and aim to find the best quality ingredients available. I love this so much, guys, because so many people think I have to get it right the first time, and they have done 52 different iterations. I freaking love that. So many people have asked me if AG1 is actually the real deal. I really do drink it, and trust me, there's a reason why I've been drinking it for so long. Quality for AG1 isn't just a buzzword. It's a commitment backed by expert-led scientific research, high-quality ingredients, industry-leading manufacturing, and rigorous testing. At each step of the process, AG1 goes above and beyond industry standards. I know I can trust what's in every scoop of AG1 because it's tested for 950 contaminants and banned substances while the industry standard typically only tests for 10. Holy moly. I know that like I'm a recovering overachiever over here, but I'm super glad AG1 isn't. Okay, so taking care of my health shouldn't be complicated, and AG1 simplifies this by replacing multiple health supplements like multivitamins, digestive aids, immune support, and more in just one simple scoop. It's literally just one scoop. It's one scoop in one bottle of water. It's amazing. AG1's ingredients are heavily researched for efficacy and quality, and I love that every scoop also includes prebiotics, probiotics, and digestive enzymes for gut support. Y'all know I've had gut stuff, so that's why I've been doing it for so long. I've partnered with AG1 for so long because they make such a high quality product that I genuinely look forward to drinking every day. So if you want to replace your multivitamin and more, start with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3 and K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first subscription at drinkag1.com slash be it. That's drinkag1.com slash B-E-I-T. Check it out. Okay, Ryan. 
you have this amazing book. Where can people find it? What can they learn from it? And where can they work more with you? Uh, they can go to my website, uh, rslinder.com, uh, halfknownlifebook.com as well. Um, they can also find me on Amazon. Mm-hmm. We'll have all those in the show notes. All right, before I let you go, because you've given us so many great things to think about. And I really, I know all of our peeps who tend to let the imposter syndrome get in the way. I just love that you um, talked about the uncertainty and all of that already. But what bold, executable, intrinsic, targeted steps can people take to be it till they see it? I would say, uh, number one, own who you are. Own it. it. There's nothing you have to become or do or you don't have to arrive to anything. You just allow it. Just practice, practice in front of people, practice speaking, put yourself on camera, record it, just practice it. And again, just however you show up, own it. Mm -hmm. Amazing. Yes. I I hope that everyone starts doing that more and more and more because every single one of you is listening to this as something to offer this planet and you're keeping it for yourself, which I think is pretty selfish whenever you don't put it out there and you let imposter syndrome or not having it figured out get in the way. Ryan, you, this has been a wonderful conversation. Thank you so much. I can't wait to hear how everyone loves it, what their takeaways are. Y'all tag Ryan Lindler, tag the Be It Pod, and also go get his book at the halfknownlife.com, halfknownlifebook.com. Afternoonlifebook.com. Perfect. Awesome. All right. Until next time, everyone, be it till you see it. That's all I got for this episode of the Be It Till You See It podcast. One thing that would help both myself and future listeners is for you to rate the show and leave a review and follow or subscribe for free wherever you listen to your podcast. Also, make sure to introduce yourself over at the Be It Pod on Instagram. I would love to know more about you. Share this episode with whoever you think needs to hear it. Help us and others be it till you see it. Have an awesome day. Be It Till You See It is a production of the Bloom Podcast Network. It's written, filmed, and recorded by your hosts, Leslie Logan and me, Brad Kroll. It is produced and edited by the Epic Team at Desenio. Our theme music is by Ali at Apex Production Music and our branding by designer and artist, Gianfranco Chofi. Special thanks to Melissa Solomon for creating our visuals and Semena Velazquez for our transcriptions. Also to Angelina Herico for adding all the content to our website. And finally to Meredith Crowell for keeping us all on point and on time. All right, my coffee lovers, I got something for you. And I know most of you are coffee lovers because if you're listening to this, you have lots of things you're doing and coffee is something that you are taking with you everywhere you go. In fact, I know the Plaza instructors around here are taking coffee, kombucha, tea, and water into every class that they take. So this one is amazing because this is Pure Cafe Bold. They have two options for you. They've got black coffee and then they've got a caramel coffee latte, which is amazing. And here's why it's amazing. It's pre-brewed. So it comes in this amazing little packet and you can actually just take the packet into your office, your work on a plane like we've been doing. And then you pour hot water in and boom, you've got coffee. And this coffee actually has some amazing stuff. It's not just regular coffee. This coffee supports your immune system. It boosts cognitive function, increases stamina, it reduces stress, and it has cordyceps. And what are cordyceps, you ask? Oh, that's right, Brad's here. Nature's powerful secret energizer, a rare species of fungi, cordyceps is renowned for its invigorating properties and centuries-old use in traditional medicine packed with essential nutrients. This natural adaptogen boosts stamina and supports overall well-being. And seriously, it's actually super simple to make. Leslie and I have taken it 
camping. Yeah. I'll use it in the afternoon. We're taking it everywhere because I'm tired of conferences and different hotels having burnt coffee. It's a thousand times better than the terrible coffee that you get on an airplane. And the black coffee is like less than a dollar a packet. So it's like, it's really kind of amazing. Yeah. And I'm, I'm a big fan of the caramel myself. He the does caramel like has it. a little bit of, uh, of milk in it. So. It has some dairy. So my dairy free peeps, you, you can't do the caramel, but you can do the black, right? Yeah. The black coffee is vegan, keto, gluten-free, non-GMO, nut-free, dairy-free, fat-free, and CGMP compliant. All right. So here's the deal. You need to go to beitpod.com slash coffee, B-E-I-T-P-O-D.com slash coffee. And when you do that, you are going to be able to get some amazing coffee that we're loving. You can buy it as a one-time purchase, or you can actually get it as a subscription. There's even family packs. So if you know that you've got a lot of coffee drinkers in your household, this is amazing. And it's honestly cheaper than all the coffees we've been making at home. So we are so excited. I hope you are. Go to beatpod.com slash coffee. And, you know, cheers to you and I. Every morning, we'll be drinking the same coffee together. Woo!